What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Mini Crush with Chuck and Noel. What's so good about it, Chuck? <laughs> oh, guys, Noel is so cranky. <laughs> I am fired up. Let me tell you. Well, we <laughs> might as well tell everyone. You just came in the room bitching and moaning totally. about the coffee machine. About the co- I mean, like, look, talk about bougie first world problems. I know, but, I know. You know, I, at the same time, I need my coffee, Chuck. Well, here's the deal, everybody. We used to have this, uh, you know— not 100% reliable, but a pretty dope machine yeah. that would make a cappuccino a latte, or a latte, yeah. a latte a or whatever yeah, you want Absolutely, just at the press of a button. And then they said, you know what? This thing is so great. Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it. It was also the thing where I think, you know, the fresh, the cost of the fresh beans outweighed the cost of the K-Cups eye roll. What? The, yeah. It doesn't make any sense, does it? This is a bean cost it's Apparently, issue? Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's literally people are, there's bean counters involved. Yeah. Chuck, you know? So now we got this K machine. What do you call it? A Keurig? Yeah, which I'm yeah. totally against. Well, they're they're awful because they're very wasteful. Yeah, they have, course. you know, it's like it's it's not a good thing. The other one, the it beans were- It doesn't even work, though. The beans were directly in the machine. It would grind them right there. Yeah, you know, whatever. Great. It was great. But this one, here's the problem. Apparently, the <laughs> reservoir in the machine, the K machine is what I want to call it, uh, is like it doesn't fill up properly with yeah. our water filter. Yeah. So the machine never thinks it has enough water in it. So I what know. you'll do is you'll walk up to it and you'll be like, I'm getting my cup of coffee. You put in your K cup and then it says, please wait. Forever. It, 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 indefinitely. No progress bar. You know, give me the courtesy of a progress bar so I know how long I'm waiting for. What am I waiting for? You and then know? everybody uh, in a in a big, Noel has been sort of the squeaky wheel about this. And then in a 
not company wide, but our office at least a podcast network wide yeah. email. I got put on blast. Got called out. Got called out very passive aggressively. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, uh, but the, but the problem persists. Uh, so I'm going to write my congressman about it. Basically, yeah, you know, I'm going to take this all the way to city hall. No, you're witnessing a rare occasion. I'm having one of probably three Coca Colas a year that I drink. Is that a vanilla Coke? It is. Um, I don't know why. I don't, especially my three Cokes a year, I don't drink them in the morning. I just saw it in there, and I, I went, I don't know. I, I had, had a, a morning drink. Coke. A morning Coke is nice. Black aspirin is what they call it. Is that right? I had a little bit of wine last night. Black gold. If we're being honest. Texas tea. But I'm drinking this, and it's so delicious. But how do people drink this shit every day, like no. multiple times a day? I, I, you, you don't. It's crazy. I, I don't. That's it what, tastes like a dessert. It does taste like a dessert. I, that's why I like soda mm-hmm. water, because I realize I like the bubbly burn <clears throat> of sure, the sure. soda, the carbonated drink, Yeah, but not the sugar. We got those, right? uh, what are those, uh, for buzz marketing? Ma, mon, Montaigne's? 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 That's, Montaigne's? The, that's the, like, the Atlanta <laughs> LaCroix equivalent, it's true. Oh, is it out of Atlanta? It's out of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Support local. Chuck, I notice you have a bit of extra rasp in your voice today. Oh, do I? I do, for sure. You you have rasp. I have rasp, and I have rasp. You have a little bit extra rasp. Well, it's early. Yeah, I'm like but I'm said, actually sick. I had a, oh no, I just had a couple of drinks Chuck. last night. No, this is what fucking forty eight sounds like. Really? Or am I forty nine? I'm forty eight. Yeah. See, I'm about to be thirty six. <clears throat> Pardon me, everyone. I'm not grossing you out. No, You're about to be what thirty six? Thirty six. Yeah. August the eighth. Send me presents. Well, no, I mean this will be out. Uh, Sort of right around then. Yeah, okay. It's my birthday. It's a happy birthday, man. Hey, thanks, dude. 36 looks good on you. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Um, I guess I can mark check on the uh, catch-up section. Mm-hmm. I think you can. So, Noel, what we're going to do this week is, uh, and it has been a minute. I've missed you. Yeah. We, I listen, we, we got ahead, so we took a couple of weeks right. off. Right. I, I noticed something funny kind of happened. On one of those episodes we recorded ahead of time, yeah. we remarked on Midsommar. Yeah, I heard that, too. And then we, we, had, we, had, ar- already we had already crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah, you know. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's not worth going in and no, editing out no, those no, sentences, no. right? But it was funny to me at the time. I was like, oh, here's how we felt. And this was like, like this was like, it was like I was like looking back through time and seeing the precursor to how I, to us coming together and right. kind of like mutually mahing that movie. Right. When you were 35. When, when I was 35, <laughs> it, it was, was a very pretty okay year. movie. <laughs> um, God, that's one of the best Sinatra jams ever. Yeah. God, I love that song. Well, have you seen this? There's an opening sequence in one of the later seasons of The Sopranos that uses that song. Oh, yeah. As it, like, it's like narrating what's going on in the Man, it's really, really so good. good. Mm-hmm. That was a big, uh, I went through a big Sinatra phase in college. Never left it. So, yeah, that's why we don't like to get too ahead of the game, Noel, because we like these to be fresh and current, not weeks and weeks old. It's true, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to do it, because uh, Josh and I did a couple of live shows. How'd those go? They went great. Chicago and Toronto, as they say. Don't say Toronto. That's like saying Atlanta. Yeah. It's Atlanta, Toronto. Uh, They were great. They're awesome. Great crowds, fun people, great show. Uh, We just, you know, it was good to be back on stage with my pal. I hadn't done it since January. Oh, wow. So we had a nice long layoff, uh, and it was just great. Had a great time. I'm heading to New York to do a live show myself uh, today. Oh, yeah? With uh, Ridiculous? No, with Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. We're doing an event for Warner Brothers that's, like, surrounding this movie, The Kitchen, that they've got coming out. That's about oh, sure. uh, badass women mobsters in Hell's Kitchen. So New you're York. doing a special live appearance as a part of, a, like, an overall ad deal? Yes. That's great. Yeah, it's cool. Good for you. It'll be fun. It's at an old theater in the, in the East Village called uh, Theater 80 St. Mark's. Amazing. Yeah, should be fun. 
On St. Mark's, I imagine. On St. Mark's, yeah. Noel, I'm so jelly. I'm very looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. All right. So, uh, Noel, I'm going to front load this one with a, a kind of a quickie stream this slash crush to judgment. Because, sir, I would like to reckon with you about the Black Coat's daughter. What about it? I saw it. You didn't like it? I did not. Oh. Well, shit. <laughs> Josh Clark loves this movie. Yeah, I liked it, too. Backstage in Chicago, one of the first things I said was, I got to talk to you about the Black Coat's daughter. Uh-huh. And he went, you know, you saw it? And I said, yeah. And he, I said, I hated it pretty much. And he said, it's probably my favorite horror movie of all time. And I was like, Really? Favorite? Yeah, I don't know about all time, but I thought it was great. And then he asked what the deal was, and I started to pick it apart, and he said, just stop. And he said, because you, all your points are valid, and I don't want to hear them. <laughs> well, but you could also argue that you're missing the point. Oh, well. Is that it's, you know. It's, all right, well, let's talk about it. And folks, if you haven't seen The Black Coat's Daughter, uh, you might not want to listen, because I'm going to spoil some stuff. I think it's still streaming. I think it's either on Netflix or, it is. or Hulu or one of those. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, think I watched it on Netflix, okay. or maybe it was Amazon. So... My biggest problem, Noel, overall, overall, my biggest problem was the fact that they flash nine years in the future and Emma Roberts is supposed to be Karen Shipka. I didn't get it. I literally had to Google afterward, are those the same? Is that supposed to be the same person? And I just thought it was terrible. I don't even remember that or know what you're talking about. That's the whole point of the movie is like... Nine years in the future, Emma Roberts is, kills the parents of the person. We're talking about the same movie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kills the parents of the of the kids that she killed in uh, school, right? Or all the other people, and, and like it was, it was supposed to be her nine years later, and they don't look alike. Hmm. I was just, I didn't get it. I was like, I thought Satan had possessed multiple girls or something, and I was like, why didn't they flash forward? 25 years in the future and cast a middle-age actor. You know, I, I, I didn't make that connection either, Chuck. Well, that's the whole point of the movie. Well, but that but that's my whole point about missing the point. That was the big twist, I didn't you know, care about like, the twist. It's her. I didn't care about that. I just thought it was atmospherically cool, oh, and I enjoyed God. it. I enjoyed the, the build and the slow burn and the tension. Uh, and I thought it was— I thought the kids I mean, were good. <laughs> I thought the, you know, I don't know. I like a slow burn. To me, it was so slow, though, that, like, almost nothing happened. And the whole Satan thing, it just seemed thrown in to like, oh, man, this will be fucked up. It mm-hmm. was never explored. It was never like it, – it just seemed very tacked on and lazy. It's hard for me to do this with you right now, Chuck, because I haven't seen it in probably a year. Okay. And it is a lot of – there's a lot of subtle things going on in that movie. And I remember vaguely what you're talking about with the <clears throat> actor not matching up. But I also – in my mind, I don't think I even connected that. And maybe that's – my bad. I don't know. <laughs> but I funny. still remember enjoying the film. So All right. Fair enough. I also remember there being some problems, but I yeah. there, there were problems I was willing to overlook because I thought the overall vibe was pretty cool. I, I, I mean, I enjoyed the vibe. I do like a slow burn, like I said. It just, I don't know, man. It did not do it for me. Like the big twist that that was her nine years later. It was like nine years, and she, what, did she have plastic surgery? I seem to recall having Googled some stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But hey, people like it. I had a, a, a bit of a discussion on the Facebook page here, and uh, a lot of people had the same problem I did. We're totally confused by this uh, nine years later thing. And mm-hmm. then a lot of people were like, oh, I really liked it. So 
And who is the black coat anyway? I guess that's Satan. Oh, I guess. And it had the most low-key kind of lame exorcism I've ever seen in a movie. It was like 30 seconds long. I don't know, man. Did not. Did you, not go You need it. a more beefy exorcism in your in your horror films? I mean, if you're going to have an exorcism, have an exorcism. You know? Throw it away. Here's Black Coat's daughter explained. I'll read this for my own personal benefit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the idea. She kills... Uh, What's her face? Freddie Mercury's uh, wife. From Bohemian Rhapsody? Lucy uh, Boynton. Mm. She kills her, the cool girl in school. They're they're stuck together. Right. And then nine years later, she is released from the mental or escapes from the mental institution and just so happens to get picked up by her parents, which like, come on, talk about a coincidence. Mm. And the parents don't know what their daughter's killer looks like. And they're just like, hey, you need a ride? Let me help you out. I had so many problems, Noel. They just stacked upon one, I'm one gonna, another. I'm going to give this a rewatch through the eyes of Chuck. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to allow you to ruin this movie for me in a, way, in a way that Josh was not. So that's where, I, that's where I separate myself from the Joshes of the world. Oh, man. I'm willing to have something ruined for me. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, uh, all right. So I watched that. And then the other thing I watched, Noel, which I think you have seen, which I really, really loved, was the documentary about Harry Nelson. Did you see that? I have not seen it. Uh, it's called Who is Harry Nelson? Yeah. And why is everyone, why is everybody talking about him? Yep. A little clunky title, but I get it. Yep. It's play on his famous song. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had some clunky album titles, too, like Nilsson Schmilson and Son of Schmilson. Well, that became a thing. You right. Know. But I think it's maybe even a little nod to that. Oh, you think? A little bit, maybe. Just the fact that they're sort of goofy, sort sure. of a goofy title, you know? I certainly love his work. Uh, Everybody's Talking is a great song. You put the lime in the coconut. Drink the, drink them both up. Drink the bowl up. I think that's it. Drink them both up. Yeah. Great song. One is the loneliest number. He wrote that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, of course, uh, his biggest hit was probably uh, "Without You." Without you. That's a fantastic. Amazing. Song. But I didn't know much about the guy, and he has uh, so, sort of lived in not obscurity to be sure, but certainly underrated and underappreciated as far as singer songwriters go in the history of uh, popular music. And one of the big reasons, Noel, I don't know if you know this, but he never performed live. I did know that. And not only, it's not like, no, I'm not going to tour. Like, he didn't play live. Mm-hmm. He had a crippling fear of doing so. Yeah. Uh, but he, that beautiful tenor, three octave, three and a half octave range or whatever he had, gorgeous. Yeah, really interesting, voice. interesting songwriter, too. And like, I mean, he did like the Popeye soundtrack and yes. stuff, you know. And then that movie, The Point, that the Alex Point. loves so That's much right. that I still haven't seen, the animated film. I have the soundtrack of that. Uh, it was gifted to me, and I haven't listened to it yet because it literally is kind of like a play. Like yeah, the, the soundtrack is is like a opera or like a musical. It's, it's almost. Great. I need to listen to it. I got to dig it out. He he's just a true artist. He did one. He uh, did it at sort of the peak of his fame. He did a cover of Randy Newman uh, songs. Oh really? Like Nilsson does Newman or th- or sings Newman. That's funny. All Randy Newman. So does it talk about his uh, infamous friendship with John Lennon in the documentary? John, a lot in Ringo Starr. Um, he worshipped the Beatles, of course, and ended up being pals with those guys, especially Lennon and Starr. Doing a lot of doing a lot of heroin together, I imagine. Well, I don't. They had that Lost Weekend thing, right? Wasn't that where they're hanging out with each other? Yeah, I mean, they, he was a part of the Hollywood Vampires, which was um, Ringo Starr, Keith Moon, uh, John Lennon. Um, uh, unlikely, maybe uh, most unlikely of all, Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees was part of that group, and they were notorious for. Um, just really getting down and partying in L.A., hardcore alcoholics and drug users. Uh, I don't know about heroin. He was definitely on the cocaine, um, but his main thing was booze. And I I didn't realize, like, they said, and this was Mickey Dolan's talking about, like, hanging out with, like, he out-mooned Keith Moon, Harry Nilsson did. He said he was just like, there was no ramp up. It was out of the gate 100 miles an hour. And they're, at one point in the documentary, they're talking about um, the call coming in, like, do you want to go out from Harry Nilsson? And two or three people are like, boy, the call, when the call comes, you you got to know, like, it's not like a, a night of drinking. Like, Harry will come pick you up for lunch, and three days later, you will right. come home. Right, And And maybe be, end up in a different city. Like, crazy, crazy shit. So he's like, he's kind of the bad influence of the situation? He yeah, big and you know he his his marriage. Uh, well, he's married three times. His first marriage was kind of didn't even count. His second marriage really suffered because of that. 
then he eventually settles down and has like six children uh, with his third wife that he really loved. But, uh, you know, alcohol wrecked his body. Very sad. Uh, really, really, really insightful doc. You, you're going to love it. I'll check it out. Very good. All right, everyone. We are going to slide right into a couple of social studies. Social studies on movie crush. And uh, one of them was curated by a super pal. And I said, can I use this? Or actually, I think he may have even just suggested it. Uh, Andrew Ryan White said, dude, why don't you do one on your favorite movie year? Because you always talk about 1982. And I said, that is a great idea. So thank you, Andrew. And we're going to go with that. What's your favorite movie year and why? And we're going to start out with, oh, my old friend Leah Mitchell. Um, 1985, she says, Back to the Future, Goonies, Desperately Seeking, Susan, Clue, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, St. Elmo's Fire, Teen Wolf, Better Off Dead. Hard to argue. Noel, that's a very good year. Uh, Andre Kamrud says, 1999. I think you reference 99 a lot, don't you? I'm about to do that. That's what I'm about to drop. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about it then because he lists... It's hard to argue with these. American Beauty, Fight Club, Toy Story 2, Green Mile. Being John Malkovich. Malkovich, Magnolia. Three Kings, Phantom Menace. Ew. Cruel Intentions, he even says, which I actually like that movie. Notting Hill, bro. (laughs) Blair Witch. (laughs) Blair Witch. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, love it or hate it, it's the final Kubrick movie. Yeah. Big Daddy. Remember Big Daddy? When he pees on the wall with the kid? That's hilarious. That's gold. That's Adam Sandler gold. Austin Powers 2, Boys Don't Cry. Boys Don't Cry is a great movie. Mm. Office Space. Oh, sure. Three Kings. Yeah, I love that movie. Good year. Dogma. Mm, nah. I like bringing out the dead very much. With Nicolas Cage, it was a Scorsese mm-hmm. movie where he's an ambulance driver. Yeah, I didn't care for you didn't it. You didn't care for it? No. I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, in that year. That was that was also, for me, that was a formative movie year for me. Sure. 99. You were also obsessed with EMTs growing up, so. Big time. How old would I have been in 99, <laughs> Chuck? Let's do the, do the birthday math here. I don't here. know. No. I'm 35 in 2019. Oh, that's easy. That's that was, 10 years, so I was 19. Yeah. Yeah. I was 28. It checks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my old uh, buddy, Mike Anderson, uh, former guest, says 1980, and he said, here's why, cable TV uh, contacted my neighborhood. I, I, I definitely know what Mike's saying because I got cable sort of around the same time. Kramer versus Kramer, my bodyguard, Caddyshack, the big red one, nine to five, Urban Cowboy, Flash Gordon, Private Benjamin, American Gigolo, Blue Lagoon, Stir Crazy, Somewhere in Time, Airplane, Any Which Way You Can. Man, they don't make them like that any, anymore, Noel. Uh, my buddy Jack Hale says 1982 as well. Our old friend Stellan Carlson says 1999. Uh, Nicole Parks, old friend, says 1997. Titanic, Men in Black, Goodwill Hunting. I know what you did last summer. Eh. My best friend's wedding. Eh. Dante's Peak. Eh. Romeo and Michelle. Eh. But hey, Nicole, I like what you're throwing down there. I'm I'm gonna stand by 99. Dude, the list goes on. Give Bicentennial a- Man. Bicentennial Man, Chuck. <laughs> Robin Williams is a robot. That was not a good movie. He was a robot. <laughs> or as John Hodgman would say, a robot. Wild Wild West, Deep Blue Sea. Wild Wild West was terrible. Yeah, but it was beautifully terrible. Man on the Moon. You like Man on the Moon, didn't you? Mm, it was uh, okay. It was the Andy Kaufman Yeah, thing? it was okay. Sure. Straight Story. That's a great movie. Great movie. 
David Lynch. And it's the one – we've maybe talked about this, but it's the one David Lynch movie that has all the hallmarks of David Lynchiness. Yeah. But like Except it's for PG. Weird murders. It's PG. And <laughs> yeah. it's such a touching movie but still very Lynchy and weird. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, let's go with Andrew Ryan White who uh, curated this whole thing to begin with. He says 97. He said two films stood up better than what uh, one best picture. Uh, L.A. Confidential, all-time great. Goodwill Hunting might be the best – First screenplay written, and also Titanic. Boogie Nights, Jackie Brown, Men in Black, Austin Powers, Fifth Element, Gross Point Blank. Yeah. I got to say, those are all good. Uh, let's go with top fan and old pal Teresa Barker. Uh, 83, Flashdance, Vacation, The Dead Zone, Trading Places, Mr. Mom, Terms of Endearment, A Christmas Story, and Yentl. I gotta say, Noel, it seems like these days it's just not very good. I mean, I love these Marvel movies, but when you look at January through December uh, in the last six, eight, ten years, it's not that great. Well, it's also like what makes the cut on these lists. They have to be, you know, there's certainly some under the radar ones, some gems or whatever, but like sure. what even you type in, you know, best of this year, like, what, does it have to have made a certain amount of money for it to, like, pop up on the list, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it is, uh, I mean, nostalgia plays a role, to be sure, but, like, uh, Karate Kid has got to be on a list. It doesn't have to be, like, a Best Picture winner, you know, to say that Karate Kid was a great film. You know what I mean? Do you think Karate Kid was a great film? Yes. Really? 1,000%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was, uh yeah. For what it was. Yeah, for what it was. Um, I think it's a good film. Absolutely. Yeah. It pushes all my buttons, Noel. still does. Yeah, it ticks those boxes. Yeah, I mean, there is not a time that I've watched that movie when uh, the big scene when Miyagi comes home after a late night after Danielson has been sanding the floor. Right. And he's had enough. And he does it. He does the... Yeah, right. and he realizes that he's been learning karate the whole time. Uh-huh. Every time I see that shit, it it moves me. That movie is also like the quintessential montage. Oh sure, I mean like that. That's the montage. You're the best around. There you go. I also, Nothing's ever gonna get wait, you down. Which was it? Was it one or two that had the love theme where it's like, "I'll be the man who will fight for uh, your honor." I want to say that was two. Might have been two. If I'm not mistaken. Is if there's a verse that goes, like a knight in shining armor from a long time ago. Peter Cetera, man. That's right. That's later Chicago. Chicago? Yeah. That's who that is? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Or I actually met that. I think that was Cetera solo. Got it. No, 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 I mean, he's he was in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I never dude. connected those. Waiting for the break of day. I never, I never associated a name with Chicago, you know? Cetera, he played bass and sang lead. Got uh, it. Uh, they, I mean, they had a couple of singers. Sure. But of course, Chicago was all about Terry Kath. And there's a great documentary on Terry Kath, one of the easily most underrated guitar players of all time. Uh, let me see. Josh Brennan says 85, Goonies, Back to the Future, Breakfast Club, Weird Science. Wait a minute. Are people getting these years wrong? I felt like someone said that was 87. Jeremy Green, Summer of 93, Sandlot, and Rookie of the Year. I was 10 years old, and those were perfect baseball movies. Yeah, 85 was good. 85 had Back to the Future, Goonies, Breakfast Club, Rambo 2, Weird Science, Color Purple, mm. Rocky 4. Was that a good Rocky? Uh, that was Drago, so medium Rocky. Medium Rocky. Cocoon. 
You know what's funny? Love Cocoon. <laughs> we're going to get into this uh, in, a, in an episode we're going to record in a little bit, but Stranger Things season three mm-hmm. clearly takes place in 1985. Yes. Because in the movie theater at the mall, they're playing Cocoon. Oh, yeah. What else was it? Back to the Future. Right. I felt like there was one more and I there saw. There was maybe one more. Oh, it was um, it was Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. Our old buddy uh, Craig might have hung those signs and all. Yeah, my uh, my daughter's uh, stepdad worked on that show as well. well. We'll get into that in the whole. We'll sure. Get, yeah. We're going to crush it. We're going to crush it. Uh, our old pal Vanessa Cashman, part of the Nessa squad, 94. She goes with Pulp Fiction, Professional, Forrest Gump, Shawshank, Interview with the Vampire, Natural Born Killers. Not bad. What is that for? 94. Yeah, that was a good year. It was a very good year. It was. I remember that pretty distinctly from being too young to see all those movies, but yet still having seen them yeah, in sure. the theater. Like, I saw an Interview with the Vampire in the theater. Mm-hmm. I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater. Yeah, same. Tank Girl came out that year, too. Not on the list, probably, but I no. remember seeing that in the theater as well. Oh, it was fun enough. Not great, but... No, it's not a good movie. I like uh, What's Her Face. What is it, Lori Petty? Lori Petty, but it's also got, like, Ice-T dressed as a weird mutant kangaroo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's got. A, he's like part of a whole gang of weird, puffy kangaroo people. And that was a comic book, correct? It was Take a comic girl? book, yep. Uh, Edwin Forrest Glenn says, 1998, Truman Show, Rushmore, Lebowski, Private Ryan, American History X, Wedding Singers, Rounders, Meet Joe Black, Lockstock. Not a bad year. Mm-mm. Boy, really, when you stack these up next to each other, what I have not seen really is anyone... Do anything from the past 12 to 15 years, Noel. Well, I'm just for, as an experiment, looking up 2015. Yeah. It's not bad, dude. It's not bad. All right, let's hear it. We've got Mad Max Fury Road. Great. We've got The Martian. Uh, eh, I didn't see it. People liked it. No, it was Um, good enough. Inside Out, fantastic. Sure. Animated film. Uh, Creed, people seem to enjoy. I haven't seen it. The Revenant, uh, Leo DiCaprio climbs inside of a bear. I like that movie. Much like- uh, As much as you can like it. Well, you know, he he definitely deserved that Oscar. Did he get it? I don't even remember. See, that's how little I care about that movie. (laughs) Uh, The Big Short, that was good. Yeah, but here's the deal. To me, Noel, uh, these movies have to – I think I know what it is. They have to stand the test of time. The test of time. So in 20 years, are people going to look back and say, oh, boy, man, remember that year The Martian came out? I sure love Trainwreck. I don't think so. Gosh, that was a that was a romp. They're just okay. They're not long-lasting, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, even like a movie like the Marvel movies, which are so fun – they're fun like a ride is fun, like a like a you know amusement park ride is fun. Yeah, I'm not gonna like I'm not l- losing sleep thinking about you know the pathos in Ant Man. You know, I mean, right. uh, it's just not <laughs> happening. All right, I think we uh, I think we covered our bases there. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. 
Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Uh, So I'm going to move on finally, Noel, to one more social studies and I'm going to start doing some of these. I decided to get kind of specific. And if I'm not mistaken, this may be coming out just a couple of days after Mr. Robert De Niro's birthday. And so we're going to salute him. And I simply asked, what is your favorite Robert De Niro performance? One of the great actors of all time. Ooh. Not best, not favorite movie, favorite performance. I know it right off the top of my head. I'm going to make a guess, Noel. What do you think? I'm going to say you loved Raging Bull. No. No. Mine's a, mine's way off the beaten path. Oh, well. Mad Dog and Glory? The King of Comedy. <laughs> oh, God. Great. Rupert Pupkin? Rupert Pupkin. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen The King of Comedy, yeah. it's sort of a lesser Scorsese. It's like a weird, madcap, kind of like obsess- obsession movie. Dark comedy. Dark comedy. Not really a thriller. Definitely no... Mob stuff at all. Yeah. It's just a character study. Jerry Lewis, so great. About Sandra this, Bernhardt, yeah, so great. About this kind of 
not even a has been, a never was mm-hmm. comedian who like lives in his mother's basement. Yeah, and becomes with, obsessed with uh, this talk show host. Yeah, like the sort of the Carson mm-hmm. Johnny Carson character, which was Jerry Lewis. And that's all you need to know about it because there's yeah. so many good things that happen in that movie. Sandra Bernhardt is in it and plays so a fellow obsessive, yeah, and it's great. just so good. I don't, man. I, I wish she was around more. She yeah. was awesome. She was great. I she, don't see her enough. She popped up in an episode of The Sopranos. I've been rewatching The Sopranos, and there's an episode where uh, John Favreau plays himself directing like a gangster movie, and Chris Montesanti, one of the yeah, the, yeah. the younger Soprano protege or whatever, sure. kind of starts. Uh, What's the word? Consulting a little bit on it. Right. And, uh, I think I saw that. Sandra Bernhardt and um, Janine Garofalo are in the movie. Oh, nice. Um, and that's the last time I've really seen Sandra Bernhardt. She's great. I miss her. All right. So we're going with uh, Charles Martin Akers, one of our old pals, says Casino. Uh, Jim Busa says, uh, meet the parents, even though Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. So he gets it. Uh, old pal and top fan Barry King says, uh, well, he doesn't really say. He just says, he's one of my favorite actor holes. Oh. One of his biggest actor holes. Sorry. Wow. A De Niro show. But he, he does. He mentions Casino for best performance. I just butchered that, Barry. All apologies. No, it's fine. Casino's good because it's like, it's sort of an understated De Niro performance as yeah, well. Yeah. He's not the heavy. Yeah, he's not. Uh, Pesci not, is the heavy. Y- yuck, hamming it up or whatever, yeah. chewing the scenery as much. He's a little more understated. Well, the whole point of that character is to be very common and controlled. Under the at radar, kind of. Like, he's the guy that doesn't actually kill yeah. anybody. He just kind of like. He's the boss, kind of, but he's also. Well, like, he has to sort of play golden straight. boy. He uh-huh. has to be like the legitimate businessman, you know? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I really love Casino. I think I think it got sort of uh, – I mean, people like Casino, but I think it was seen as lesser at the time compared to like a Goodfellas. I don't think that's fair. Maybe a little bit, but – No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't, oh, yeah. think, I don't agree with you. I'm saying I, I, I think – I honestly think they're equal. And I think it, it's maybe a, a hair below Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. But Sharon Stone and James Woods, even though he's an awful human – was great in that movie. Jim Woods is trash, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> wow. God. He's terrible. About that. Old pal Brian Throckmorton uh, says, The Captain in Stardust. I don't know that. What is that? It, oh, Stardust is a Neil Gaiman movie. Don't ba- know it. Based on a comic, uh, based on a novel by Neil Gaiman. It's sort of a fantasy, princess bride, fairy tale kind of thing. Okay. And he does play kind of a goofy airship captain in that and I don't really remember much else about it I, I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of that movie and I love Neil Gaiman but yeah. uh, what's her name Michelle Pfeiffer's in it uh, somebody else kind of famous is in it but who's Neil Gaiman married to he's married to Amanda me. Palmer right mm-hmm. that's right yeah uh, Helen Lyons old pal says I love how he chewed the scenery in Cape Fear my first De Niro experience yeah didn't Cape that Fear. come up with bad accents I think before yeah. where we're like so bad yeah, but it was also <laughs> so good you know like you just kind of like yeah, look past it you just got to kind of go with it I think it was so over the top I, I certainly love that Cape Fear movie uh, that one as opposed to the other one although they're both great uh, old pal Don Morris says Silver Linings Playbook hands down such a specific and flawed character yeah boy he was good in that uh, Austin Handler old friend says Jimmy Conway and Goodfellas of course in a lifetime of great roles my hands down favorite De Niro role. Hard to argue. Robert Paulson. Pipe down, Paulson. Our old pal says Mean Streets. So real and so raw. You ever seen Mean Streets and all? That's one I haven't seen. Get on it, brother. All right. Classic. Oh, Isn't man. That Rolling Stones so song at the beginning? Isn't there Rolling Stones? Oh, oh I mean, it's a Scorsese like, movie, so there's got to be Rolling Stones. Yeah, okay. all right. <laughs> yeah, Mean Streets, man. 
So good. I mean, I definitely I like the range of De Niro, but when he was like in his early twenties, just crushing it, man, crushing it. Uh, R.J. Uh, Revniak says it's got to be Jake LaMotta and Raging Bull. Uh, he transformed his body and oscillated between despicable husband and pitiable has been. So good. Uh, old friend David Mills uh, says stereotypical. Got to be good fellas. Here you go, uh, Noel. Our old friend Alex, uh, Alex Glasnovich says King of Comedy is Scorsese's best film. Which one? King of Comedy. Yes. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't know if it's his best film, but it's one to me that is remarkable because it's so him trying yeah. something else and stepping out and it doesn't feel like a Scorsese movie, but it's just like so uniquely itself. For and sure. I love that. And he's one of those directors that kind of tends to lean on a thing, you know, and this one doesn't yeah. really, this goes outside of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our old friend Sean McFarland says Bronx Tale, such a humble character who wants nothing but to protect his family. What I like here, Noel, is you're getting, we're getting a lot of different, we're getting a nice variety it's not like Goodfellas straight down, you know, Jimmy Conway over and over. Um, Valerie Byrne says Heat, that diner scene with Pacino. Uh, another vote for Stardust from our old friend John Millsap. Dan Turk says Wag the Dog. Christopher Rennie, our old pal, says Travis Bickle easily. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked about, oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, Pete Drummond. Man After My Own Heart, Midnight Run. One of my favorite, favorite all-time comedies. So, so good. Uh, our old friend Jeff Clark says Cape Fear tied with Awakenings, uh, as did Tracy D. Martini said Awakenings. She said, oh, my God, I could start crying just thinking about it. I forgot how good that movie was. Did you like that one? Awakening? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Is it the one where all the old people are in the cocoons? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, Awakenings is a true story of uh, of the doctor I uh, can't remember the doctor's real name. What was it? Come on, Chuck. Uh, Robin Williams, though, where he uh, works with bringing um, the De Niro character out of his, uh, not a coma, but his condition. A, okay. Oh. I can't remember what the condition is exactly. It's really good. That's interesting. I'll have to check it out. I, I remember it. I remember there had there was some coma-ness going on. <laughs> An awakening, right? It's about, like, awake awakening from a, a fugue state of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another vote for Stardust from John Shaw. I- I'm interested to see that now, actually. It's coming up enough. I'd like to rewatch it because it's definitely like a rollicking kind of adventure mm-hmm. in, you know, a fairy tale world kind of movie. But for some reason, it didn't grab me when I saw it. And I was primed to like it because right. I was really into Neil Gaiman. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I just, for some reason, I didn't remember caring that much about it. I know nothing about Neil Gaiman. The Sandman? You never read the Sandman comics? Nope. Never They're read so any. Good. I don't, I don't They're so good. They're so good. I don't read comics. That's okay. I, I didn't either until I read Watchmen, and then I got into like some, I did read some Watchmen. key graphic novels. I'm not like a comic guy, but like I like a handful. Yeah. And they're starting to see them turning into movies and Netflix properties and stuff now. Oh, sure. Sandman just got signed on to do a Netflix series, and it's a great story. Really, cool. really cool. I'll have to check it out. Uh, oh, here's one we haven't heard yet. Beatrice... Uh, Azevedo says Al Capone in The Untouchables. Yeah. I would argue with that. He kind of goes full full Pesci in that. Doesn't he like smash somebody up with a baseball bat? Like He goes uh, full Al Capone. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I guess maybe Pesci goes full De Niro. Well. Pesci's just known for smashing people up and getting upset. You know, he you came know? out of retirement for this new Scorsese pick. Yeah, uh, with the, the Irishman. Irishman. The Irishman, yeah. Can't wait. Maybe it'll, it'll be good. 
Uh, Sean McCauley, finally, we get to The Godfather Part 2. I was waiting for someone to say that. Um, it, it, yeah, like, why hasn't anyone said that yet? Craig Reynolds, Once Upon a Time in America. Another King of Comedy fan from uh, Johnny Mockney. And a lot of people like Meet the Parents, Noel. A lot of yeah. people are going with the uh, with the comedies there. Well, it's sort of like it revealed him to be a pretty spot-on comedic actor. And For sure. I think people appreciated his willingness to take the piss out of himself, kind of. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, and kind of play on his uh, persona. I like it. All right, we're going to finish this up with this great comment from uh, Heather Dubkova. Casino or Goodfellas or shit, Taxi Driver is great, too. See, that's what happens when you start to type a comment, and then everything just starts popping into your head. You know what I mean? Totally. All righty. That's it, everyone. You got anything else, Noel? No. No. Love the king of comedy. Love the king of comedy. I do, too. Good day, everyone. Mm -hmm. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.